We will be looking at Galatians 3, the first five verses, if you'd like to follow along in your scriptures. We'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. Our Lord and our God, as we open your book of life, I pray that you send more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Spirit of truth, to bring us more maturity through your written word, Lord, a clearer understanding of yourself. I pray that you guard my lips, that I represent you properly. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You may be seated. Again, we're looking at Galatians 3. In order to glean as much truth out of these verses as possible. I know when I said I was going to go through the book of Galatians, Fursell said you're going into pretty deep water. And, uh, you know, one thing you look at water, it looks kind of deep, but a lot of times it's a lot deeper than what you think. <laughs> There's so much truth in here. You know, in verse 4 it says, Did you suffer so many things in vain? if indeed it was in vain. What Paul is saying there, he's questioning their salvation. That's how dire this is. And obviously the Galatians suffered probably from the Jews, possibly from the Romans. What Paul is saying is, this, is their suffering in vain? Has it been for nothing? Have you truly not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Remember, Paul was astonished how quickly these Galatians switched. Had fallen into heretical teachings. Their very souls, the souls of those who they were teaching or preaching to, were in jeopardy. It was a false gospel. It was Jesus plus circumcision, plus not eating with Gentiles, plus whatever. Whatever they wanted to put on. What we have to consider, what they should consider, what do us puny, sinful 
human beings have to offer God in exchange for such great salvation? Do we really think we have anything we can offer God? Like the hymn says, nothing in the hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. O foolish Galatians who have bewitched you. Foolish Galatians. R.C. Sproul says the original language could be translated as you Galatians have lost your mind. You're crazy, or we would say you lost your marbles. You know, when the word fool is used in Scripture, it carries a lot more weight than just somebody who is acting foolish or silly. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So what Paul is telling these Galatians, you're in the same category as atheists, non-believers. And they were because the result was the same. If they keep on going, pushing this heretical gospel, this false gospel, the fate of anybody who accepts it will be an eternity in hell, just like the atheists. So Paul is not wasting any time with niceties in this book. He's hacked off. Their salvation is at stake. The gospel is being threatened. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has deceived you? We know indeed it was Satan who deceived them. Jesus warned about wolves and sheep clothing, people from among the brethren coming up, teaching a false gospel, a different gospel, great threat to the church throughout history, heretical teachings. And Paul says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul's taking back to them what he taught them. Paul so clearly taught the complete work of Christ. So precise to these Galatians that changed them to accept Jesus Christ knowing the consequences of the times that they lived in. He preached it so clearly, it was as if these Galatians were standing at the foot of the cross, looking up at the side, pierced side of Jesus Christ. That is because Paul understood was taught by Christ. And Paul understood how radically a life is changed by the Holy Spirit. Because Paul was a God-hater. 
going about rounding up Christians, and Christ knocked him off his horse. He was radically changed. He was not seeking God. He was not doing any works to get to God. He hated God. Because he understood the gospel of grace so clearly, and he explained it to these Galatians, he was astonished that they threw it under the bus and said we need more, more of man's works. We just can't accept that Jesus is enough. So Paul goes back to when they were converted in verse 2. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is a rhetorical question. He knows it was by hearing faith. Because these Jews were already doing the laws when they were converted to Christianity. The sacrificial system was still in place. This was prior to A.D. 70. So Paul is just reminding them of what he had taught them. It was by hearing of faith. Hearing of faith. Hearing the gospel message. And the working of the Holy Spirit to make that gospel message true. You know, in John sixteen, twelve, it tells us, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What was Jesus? Jesus and the Father are one. What is the working of the Holy Spirit? He will glorify me, Jesus says. He will explain Jesus to us. in all his glory, in all his works. He will bring honor to Jesus, which brings honor to the Father, which brings honor to the Son, because they're one God. That is the working of the Holy Spirit. And then that is passed on to us, and we bring glory to God when we represent God properly through the Holy Spirit. But it's by hearing, it's by hearing with faith. They receive saving faith by the gospel message. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Past tense. 
How do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's by hearing with faith. Not just hearing anything but the gospel message. Because the Holy Spirit glorifies God. How does he glorify God? By giving us the clear gospel message. Then he goes to the present. In verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith? By hearing of faith. That's another rhetorical question. It's not the law. It's not our works that brings us sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. It's the Holy Spirit doing all things through us. That's why I read earlier from Edwards, all good things, they're only through the Holy Spirit. We are saved by the Spirit through the hearing of faith, and we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit through the hearing of faith. The Spirit was sent to represent the glory of God, the glory of Christ. So how are we sanctified? How do we grow? It's by the hearing of faith through the Holy Spirit. Through God's written Word. Through seeking out to have more and more of the Holy Spirit, more and more knowledge of God. In Romans 10.14 it tells us, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. See again, faith comes through hearing. But it's clarified through the word of Christ. It's the gospel message that changes us. It's the gospel message that sanctifies us. It's the word of God. The study of of the word of God. In Romans 8, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Our priorities are changed. Our priorities are changed when the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts. And it's different for all of us. Many who are raised in the faith, 
We don't know when that salvation occurs. But there is a time in your life if you come to the true knowledge of Jesus Christ that church isn't just something you do on Sunday because your whole family has done it. It's where you start to change. Where you desire to be with God's people. You desire to learn more and more of God. You spend more time reading biblical materials. Challenging your mind. And the love of the brother and the love of the word. I was raised Catholic, and for me, church didn't mean anything in my younger days. It's just we had to go, or the nuns would bat you aside the head if you didn't sit there and pay attention. But how could you understand anything? For the first few years I went, it was in Latin. It was boring at best. But then there came a time when the Holy Spirit came into my heart. And it was changed. And it should be for all of us. You want more. You want to study more about what God has. More about who Jesus Christ is. And that desire continues to grow and grow and grow. And the Christian material becomes a delight because it feeds our souls. And once consumed, it transforms our nature into the nature of God. And as we continue to mature, we realize how shallow the things of this earth are. We realize where our treasure is, but that's the Holy Spirit working in us and continually working, transforming us, changing us. Like in Philippians 3.7, it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Saints, that faith is what brings love into our hearts, true biblical love. True biblical love. Now we may not think we're changed much. That we're different than other people. But when we tithe, that's love. We're giving up part of our life, which money is. It's just a stored up portion of our life. Many times sent to strangers that we'll never meet, never know.
We'll never know what those dollars do. But we're giving them in faith. And Paul had to struggle. He says, the Holy Spirit working through me. Is it Paul doing it or is the Holy Spirit doing it through us? Through him. Are you in church or is the Holy Spirit that lives in you in church today? Are you writing the checks out or is it the Holy Spirit working through you, living in you? Something to ponder. Am I preaching or is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it both? We're drastically changed when we believe and we continue to be changed. And it teaches us true biblical love. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised nor uncircumcised counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. Galatians 5, 6. Our nature is to be selfish, self-centered. So we're going against our human flesh when we love others with a true biblical love without expecting things in return. Where we give up a portion of our income. And we love doing it. Where we risk ridicule presenting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because we love even the enemies of God, the enemies of ourselves. It's not natural. We grieve when we see the sins of the nation, we don't delight in them. Because the Spirit dwells within us. And in time we are more and more sanctified. More mature in our faith. And that love is made manifest through our actions. And none of us will be perfect. But you will see change. You know, Galatians 5.22. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against all things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's why we're here. To crucify the flesh. To learn more of Him. To have more of the Holy Spirit. Again, we'll never be perfect. Like Edward said, on this side of eternity, we'll never have that complete fullness where we're perfect. It's like we have ten fingers. Nine of them may be praising God and one's a radical. A sinner... We all know it. We all know we're sinners. We're all in the same boat. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we can't dwell on that sin. We have to look at the good in our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, we can take a movie camera and go around and follow a Christian and say, yeah, that guy, he's a good Christian. He has his moments. Or you can take a snapshot of me after I hit my thumb with a finger with a hammer and you can say, that guy's not a Christian at all. But isn't that our nature? We can go to a beautiful concert and hear a whole symphony and somebody will hit one bad note with that sinful finger and what will everybody be talking about? Not the beautiful concert. concert. Oh, did you hear that note he hit? That sour note? Isn't that how we are as believers? Looking at our fellow believers and looking at the worst many times? And even questioning, I don't think they're a believer. Well, I'll tell you what, none of us look like believers 100% of the time. But yet the Holy Spirit keeps working through us in spite of our sinfulness. And it's because it's miraculous, because it's not of us. Foolish Galatians who have bewitched you. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? How can we perfect ourselves? We can't. It's because of God. And all this happens simultaneously. Our coming to Christ, when the gospel message breaks through and having faith, when that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's why the catechisms tell us it's irresistible grace. We can't stop it. We can't block it. And once we have it, it's there forever, the perseverance of the saints. It's that way because it is miraculous. In John 1, 5, 15, everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him But this we know, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We start overcoming the world instantaneously when we become believers. When that gospel message takes away the blinders from our eyes. We believe in Jesus. We love the Father. And the Holy Spirit starts His work in us immediately. 
simultaneously. It can't be any other way. Otherwise, we'd be self-autonomous if the Holy Spirit says, here's Jesus, opens our eyes, and we say, well, I'm going to think about it for a while. You know that picture where they all show Jesus knocking on the door, and it gives the impression that Jesus wants to come in and we don't want to open the door. That isn't how it works. I don't care how strong a door you have. If the Holy Spirit wants to come in, He's coming through that door, smashing it down, smashing your heart, taking your sinful life and changing it. Just like He did with Paul. There's one guy I read about a while back he has a great ministry. He was driving down the road, drinking and smoking pot and cursing God, shaking his fist out the window. And a few minutes later, he was parked alongside the car, weeping and praising God. When the Holy Spirit comes in, when the gospel message is brought to us and that veil is removed from our eyes, we're changed forever. We're a believer. The Holy Spirit is now working in us. We will love the things of the Lord. We will love them more and more the more mature we get. And we'll let go of more and more of the things of the Spirit. We will never be the same. You know, in 1 Peter 1.23, having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This miraculous, miraculous seed not of perishable seed, but imperishable. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. It's all miraculous. It's not us, what we've done. It's what God has done to us. And notice again, through the living and abiding Word of God, the Holy Spirit is to glorify God and represent God in His perfection. And when that veil comes off, we see, we start to see that perfection. You know, it's like a, like a you shoot a fireworks up in the air. You see this little, if you're close enough, you see the little 
wick burning, and all of a sudden, kaboom. So what comes first? The light, the heat, or the smoke? Or is it all at once? That's what happens to us when we are transformed. The word is understood because the Holy Spirit reveals it to us and we have faith. Changed forever. Imperishable seed. Instant faith. Sealed for all eternity. And that's why Paul is so disappointed in these Galatians how they could get it so wrong. It was faith by the word of God with the working of the Holy Spirit. And yet now as they go on, they say that's not enough. That Jesus is not enough. I guess it's kind of understandable as all their neighbors or many of their neighbors and friends were still going to the temples, going to the synagogues, offering sacrifices, not hanging out with the uncircumcised, having all their children circumcised. All that was still in place. But it's not what they were taught from the beginning. It's not how they came to understand the love of Jesus Christ, how they were radically changed. It wasn't Jesus plus. Again, I don't think we'll be up here offering sacrifices. But anytime we put on our pride fest or our pride cards and say we're better than this believer or that believer because of the clothes we wear, what movies we watch, what we eat, what we drink. Aren't we standing like the Pharisees saying, I'm better than this guy. We're saying the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't enough. It's also my actions. Again, we all have imperfections. We all act like the unsaved at times. Times We are all flawed. I don't care. You can go to the, the most knowledgeable and greatest Christian that we can see. You hang around long enough with them, you'll find sin in their lives. Look in the mirror, you find sin in your own lives. But it's not about us. You know, I share the gospel with people at times. They say, oh, we know you, what a sinner you are, what a sinner you were, what a wretch you were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's not about me. It's about God and the perfection of God. That He can even love someone like me. Someone like you. It's about God and His glory. And when we get to that point where everything we do is for the glory of God, that is the Holy Spirit working through us, perfecting us. Because now, it says the Holy Spirit takes what God gives the Holy Spirit and teaches us how to live, what to do. And that is we should be glorifying God. 
Many times we say, oh, we achieved it. We did it. We didn't do anything. It's the Holy Spirit. All good works are through the Holy Spirit. That should humble us. That's why even the weakest saints can have glorious moments representing Jesus Christ. Because it's not them, it's the Spirit working through them. It's us sharing with a neighbor or a loved one the gospel message when we're a young Christian and we do a terrible job of it. We go home and we wring our hands and boy, I blew that, it sucks. And that person comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ because it's the Holy Spirit that used our imperfections. Even our prayer life, is it us praying or is it the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit says He acts on us, takes our prayers up. It should humble us. It's confusing. It's miraculous. But it's not impossible because God is doing it. it tells us through faith we can move mountains. What mountain does God want you to move? Through faith, not through your power. 1 Corinthians 12.3, it says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Do you say Jesus is Lord? Is He the treasure of your heart? Then you are of God. You love your Savior, you're of God. He's using you now. He's using you to perfect the world, to bring Him to the knowledge of you, or the knowledge of Him through you. That's why Paul was so disappointed in the Galatians because they were teaching a false faith. They were hindering the church. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Which we all do. But as we mature in Christ through our daily lives, our mind is set more on the things of heaven, more on God. More maturity. We should be crying out, Lord, I want more of the Spirit. I want the Spirit to take more and more of me. A complete opposite of the Galatians saying, we want more law, more law, more law. It's all pride. Well, I do this and I do that. I pray how many times a week. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. 
I encourage you, just look it up online. Edward's uh, essay on the Trinity. Ten pages. Try and read through it. Try again and again and again. There's so much information, so much truth in there. But it gives you an idea of how it's all about God and the Holy Spirit and the unity of the Trinity working in us, through us, but for God. And we should be astonished in praising God that He uses any of us at all. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, teach us to understand the Holy Spirit like Paul does. That His actions, His good works are all just guided by the Holy Spirit. That conflict within us, Lord, that we try to do good and we fail. We understand our sinfulness. But also we understand how you use us to build your church. It's not us, it's you, O Heavenly Father. Give us that humble heart. Give us the perseverance that comes with that, knowing that the Holy Spirit can do all things and that your will will be accomplished. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Let us have faith in you, in Jesus Christ.